Hopefully this all works. I'm like 90% sure. <laughs> I like those odds. Yeah, I think they're good odds. Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial Episode 2, Season 2, Episode 3. I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. I'm Laura. And I'm Matt. Oh, man. I'm We're using different great star. <laughs> audio different audio setups, so I'm extra nervous to get this all correct. Why is the uh, setup different? Oh, uh, great transition. Because I'm in New York, snowed in. What about him? Uh, Edward Snowden is back <laughs> in New York. <laughs> No, it's been a rough week for me. I was almost killed in California. What? What do you mean by that? Well, you know how you just have a bad feeling sometimes? I, I was I was walking my dog in the afternoon for our usual afternoon walk, and we go a short distance on the usual route, and we're coming back, and there's a police helicopter literally right above my apartment complex. And I'm like, I feel very... I don't feel comfortable walking towards this situation. <laughs> But I do anyway, because it's my home, and my my dog's the type of dog who likes to stop every five feet to, to piss on everything. So I put him on a short leash. I'm, a leash. I'm like, Brooklyn, let's go inside. I, I don't feel comfortable right now. And, of, and I'm going in the side door, and I take out my key, and I open the door, and this guy comes up from behind me out of nowhere. He's wearing a hood, and he says to me, hey, man, if I pay you five bucks, can you give me a ride up the road? police helicopter swarming overhead there's a shady man next to me asking asking to pay me to drive him away from the situation oh my god yeah i was like no and you know i'm so used to like homeless people coming up to me and asking me for money that i just said no i don't have money and he's like no i'll pay you i was like no i don't have a car leave me alone (laughs) so then that happened let's see if i can draw uh, uh, yeah, we need a sketch for the policeman. No, so I, I don't know what happened to that. I didn't even want to call the police. I couldn't be bothered. Uh, but that was scary. That was a legit scary moment. And then, and then I come here to New York. I don't want to bore everybody with this, but I'm, I'm here in New York to see my husband, uh, Bruce Springsteen. He doesn't know we're husbands yet, by the way, but he will. And so we, um, I'm here with, um, the guy I co-founded Hypable with Richard. And, you know, he flew in from England. And we flew in a day early because of this storm, the blizzard. And I, I know Elisa has a horror story of her own. Um, they, 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 they got the DC estimates right, but they didn't get the New York estimates right. Um, they were predicting like maybe eight to 10 inches here in New York. So, um, we end up getting about two feet here and, I didn't think the Bruce Springsteen show would be canceled, uh, because it was, uh, it was the day after it was snowing all day. And they, fucking Ticketmaster even sent an email saying the show will not be canceled. They sent that on Saturday, the day before the show. So it's like, okay, cool. That's good to hear. Well, uh, Saturday night, we get, we get an email or, or, you know, they announce on social media, show has been postponed. It's like, what? <laughs> We flew across the world for this. How can you cancel it? So that was the world consists of just the country. I know. Well, no. And Richard came in from England and, and I, you know, of course, uh, people have died in a storm. But I need to see Bruce Springsteen. I need to see my husband. I don't care about these people who died. I could literally hear Andrew howling all the way down the East Coast. It was you know, pretty it phenomenal. sucked because we had such a good day. It was like fun walking around New York in the snow. New York's been beautiful. The streets were closed. Honestly, like if I, I wasn't here for 9-11, but if I was here for 9-11, I, I assume this is what it looked like. The streets were closed. There was no cars. People were walking on the streets. It was quiet. There was stuff falling from the sky. I think oh maybe God. your comparison is a little... Uh, <laughs> what? It's like, it's, it's, honestly, when was the last time New York, the streets were closed? And people were walking out on them and it was quiet. I just New, want you to New know, Year's Eve, it happens Elisa, every year. Elisa just sent me a text message with a bunch of dots. <laughs> like, dot, 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 what is he doing? <laughs> Look, I'm a little delusional up here, okay? So anyway, anyway, New York is beautiful. <laughs> 
but but uh, another show on Wednesday, so I'm still here for that. But totally sucked to have the, one of the main reasons of your trip screwed up. Anyway, Elisa, it wasn't looking good down in D.C. either, was it? No, not no, no, not this at is all. Like some weather report that we're having. <laughs> Well, because it looks like it's not going to be any better down there. Uh, where are you at right now? The interesting story in D.C. was that before the big snowstorm even came in, they got an inch of snow and it screwed up the whole town, right? Yeah. So this doesn't take much, though, does it? As you guys so eloquently put it uh, last episode, I was off on my eat, pray, love journey in the Pacific. Mm-hmm. I was in Hawaii and I landed... Right as I landed at Dulles International, right as that one inch of snow started falling, you know, no big deal usually, except no one was predicting that one inch. And so my parents get on the beltway to head home and it took them six and a half hours to get from the airport to their house. Normally it's about an hour and a half to two hours. Um, so they got caught in it big time and they were like sending me pictures and people were just like abandoning their cars in the middle of the highway. And someone set up a barbecue off of I-95 and there was, yeah, it was like, uh, it was a weird, like hobo party happening. (laughs) Everyone was just sleeping out on, on the beltway. It was very, very strange. And my parents... It sounds like a scene from The Walking Dead where just everybody is just stuck in traffic and just It was very apocalyptic. They made home fine. It was all okay. But then it was like, oh, shit. Well, this does not bode well for three days from now. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, you know what? I can can deal with it because I've been able to stay home and um, Mm -hmm. level up my mage. (laughs) (laughs) How dangerous is it when it snows? Because... I mean, I, I know absolutely nothing about the etiquette of snow, but like w- they say when it rains, like the most dangerous part is like the first 15 minutes to a half hour when the oil and the water are hitting together in there and there's a separate layer and that's well, what like the, is the most dangerous to drive on the road. But it's, it's a bunch of factors. People shoveling snow die. They go into cardiac arrest from lifting too much weight and I guess for too long. And then there's the, the icing issue and you get into accidents that way with your vehicles. Or what get snowed in. Ice. What is black ice? I've heard that before. Satan. That's what it is. It's black just ice. invisible ice. <laughs> it's awful. So not a good weekend here on the East Coast. Um, but it is season two. We've uh, wanted to introduce a couple games, new games here. And one of the new ones we want to introduce, we're calling On the Spot. How it works is pretty simple. During this episode at some point, I will be halting the show and asking a pre-selected host a question. And um, it's going to be a random question, and you may have a difficult time answering it. So just brace yourselves. I hope I don't have any idea what these questions are or what they could be. Exactly. Exactly. I have one in particular. We may change this game in the future and let you pick from three, but... Um, I, I, I just have one here this week that I thought was like really good. I didn't want to like not use that one. So just going with one this week. So why do I feel like it's going to be me? I feel like clench your buttholes. It's, it's always me. I'm already clenching mine. You're always (laughs) drinking. That's why I'm not drinking right now. It's a miracle. Four days sober y'all drinking right now. (laughs) So it was an exciting week for all of us being big Sarah Palin fans, right, Laura? Yeah. So I was going to say the gift that keeps on giving endorsed Donald Trump last week right before we recorded. Mm. Um, and the word salad, alphabet soup, whatever you want to call it, was truly inspiring. Andrew, I think we have a clip, don't we? Yes. Here we go. She's not conservative. Uh, how about the rest of us? Right-wing and bitter, clinging, proud clingers of our guns, our God, our in our religions, in our constitution. Tell us that we're not red enough. Yeah, coming from the establishment. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so that was just one of a of a, a lengthy speech. I think it was about twenty minutes, right? It was mm-hmm. no, it was longer than that. Oh. I watched the whole thing, and I I think I lost. It's IQ like twenty two minutes, I think. I, it's like your drunk aunt trying to read green eggs and ham to you. Like, it just. (laughs) (laughs) 
I yeah. don't even, I, I watched it and my mother was like, you should turn that off. Like, I'm actually afraid for you. If you keep watching this, I don't know what's going to happen to your mind. <laughs> the best part for me was Donald Trump in the corner. It looked like he was having an existential crisis. Yeah. The look on his face was like, <laughs> I'm rethinking all my life choices. <laughs> yeah. I saw an interview with him after and somebody asked him, like, there's been reports that you were uncomfortable up there. Is that true? And he was like, yeah, a little bit. Because I didn't think she was going to go on for so long. <laughs> that sounds like something you'll read in, in one of his books, like five years from now, about how big of a mistake it was to help Sarah Palin become popular again. Well, see, he should have talked to John McCain, because I think John McCain might yeah. have had some advice for him. Yeah. Yeah. He's so, probably, yeah. Is this, uh, is this a blow to Ted Cruz or any of these other GOP people? Having the, the, the endorsement of Sarah Palin. And I'm serious. I mean, this doesn't hurt them, right? Honestly, I think it is a little bit because, yeah, listen, Sarah Palin's a nut job. Okay. But, but, but she, she, she became popular for a reason. And it's not just because she makes a great SNL skit. It's because she really knows how to rile up the base. And I don't know. I feel like this really just wins Trump the GOP base like he already kind of had it mm-hmm. locked it locked down but Cruz has been sort of you know going up and down the polls people think been thinking that he's going to catch up with him a little bit I don't know I feel like this just seals the deal in terms I mean at least in terms of the of the base I don't think anyone's going to take that from Trump at this point because if you put Palin on a stump speech tour in favor of Donald Trump I mean the headlines alone all that free advertising is just yeah. I, I don't know. This is a perfect mm-hmm. storm of just horrible everything. Yeah. I mean, she, she did, uh, say, what was it that she said? She was, oh, when she said, um, uh, are you ready for a commander in chief who will let our warriors do their job and kick ISIS ass? That part, I could not. That was like when I was just, uh, I just fell apart. I didn't know. <laughs> it made me, it made me really uncomfortable. And not only because that's when like her shirt, her shirt, Oh my God. I could not stop staring at her shirt. It had all that fringe, all that, uh, you guys, you guys remember yeah. it? It looked oh, like something yeah. like your mom had in the sixties. I'll never forget it. So, uh, that's, that's that. Hopefully she'll entertain us more throughout wanted, this campaign. I wanted to ask you guys though, maybe we could talk about it later, but I really need you to explain to me what the establishment meant. Cause she oh, kept boy. saying it and I, I, she didn't tell us what the establishment was. The can establishment. We, can we pick this conversation up in After Dark? Because I have something else to say about it, too. Sure. Yeah, All good right. idea. Good call. All right, cool. Speaking of the Patreon, we have a AP choice from Rachel. Yeah, so Rachel, uh, she wrote in earlier yesterday, I think. So uh, Rachel says, so people like to complain, reminisce about the good old days. I'm an African-American woman, so forgive me for not sharing this view. But you guys often joke about us being doomed, and my question to you is, do you really believe that? As a, as a planet, are we getting better or worse? We now have environmental awareness, better nutrition, uh, improving civil rights in many parts of the world, but we also have terror attacks, we have more effective weapons, etc. So, is your overall opinion that we are doing well or not? Where are we going well, and where could we do better? So... I, I mean, I guess we do say in, in jest on um, previous episodes that, you know, we say that the earth is doomed and we are, you know, the True. world's going to an end. And I think it's, it, it kind of raised a question that I actually f- was kind of uh, sad to admit, but especially like the generations, we, we do tend to be more cynical and that has become more of the norm than it is to be positive. In fact, in a way where you will say like, this country is great. People will react negatively towards you. Or well, say that. I but think you know it depends what I mean? on the context. Mm-hmm. I guess so. But I mean, I do think this country is great, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't do some fucked up things. And I think that we've made a lot of progress as a society, but that doesn't mean that we don't still have work to do. And that doesn't mean that we're not going to continue encountering new problems as we evolve. Right. And so the way that we choose to both handle what's new, what's coming at us now, and the progress that we have made to make sure that we maintain that, that really 
is what's going to tell the story. And like I said, I think in some ways we're doing really well. In other ways, not so much. So I wouldn't yes. say we're necessarily doomed except for the environment because that's kind of bad. But yeah. uh, <laughs> so this actually her question here reminds me of, of a Louis C.K. joke. Uh, when Rachel says here, I know so which one you're talking about, too. <laughs> people like to complain or reminisce about the good old days. Um, Louis C.K. says, you know, for something called the greatest generation, they sure said the N word a lot. <laughs> yeah. I think that like perfectly sums it up because we have, we look at the past with like these gilded, you know, rose tinted glasses and we're like, Oh man, the good old days. I don't know. The good old days had a lot of slavery and had a lot of fucked up shit, had polio and you know, yeah, it was pretty messed but- up. Go ahead. I also think that generally we always look back and reminisce in positive ways. So like right now we may consider things messed up in current day, but we'll look back and be like, oh, that was a good time. Whether it's a combination of po- uh, um, personal matters or world matters. Um, I think you always look backward a little more positively when you're not in present day, day in, day out. Well, no, and I, I think too, part of what you need to do is consider that things might have been good or might have seemed good at a certain point in time, but the practices that we had at that point eventually led us on to greater problems. I mean, look at the 90s and the early 2000s. I mean, for I think pretty much anybody who was in the middle class and up, those were pretty good times. It was economic prosperity. Mm -hmm. And we also made some really shitty decisions during those years that led us to the downfall of our economy. Right. Yeah. So it's just, it, you got to take it with a great, I think, a dose of perspective. And right, Lisa, I, think, I think you had something you wanted to say. Uh, yeah. To answer, to answer Rachel's question, um, are we doing well or not? Are we actually doomed? I think yes and no. I think, I think that in a lot of ways we are doing way better than the news is ever going to tell you because it's not sexy. It's not going to grab people's attention and the doom and gloom scare tactics that get everyone to turn on CNN. Like that's their bread and butter. The reality though is that fewer people are living in poverty today globally than, than ever before in recorded history. It's about 9.2% of the global population. Uh, that's the first time 2015 was the first time that that figure went below double digits. Um, and we've cured things like, like yellow fever and polio. Um, and malaria and things like that are doing extraordinarily well. Whereas like literally 50 years ago, people were dropping dead of them all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. look at our advancements in with HIV AIDS even. Yeah, so there's they're saying a, there might be a, a cure within the next year or so. Right. Actually. So I think medically and um, even in terms of poverty, believe it or not, I think we're making huge strides. And so I think we're doing really well. Yeah. But the one area I think Laura's right that we're failing miserably is the environment. And a large portion of that is because of the mm-hmm. growing global population. Just one quick stat here. In 1800, there were only 1 billion people on the planet. Uh, in 2012, there was more than, se- or now today, rather, it's about 8 billion. We had our population, the human population grew more in the past 100 years than it did in the rest of all time combined. We are fucking like rabbits and because of that we have limited resources and everything environmentally is kind of going to shit so that way i and and, and with that particular issue we are kind of fucked if we don't do something which is why we try and cover those issues Mm -hmm. a lot there but there was one thing though that has been good i found one thing about the environment uh yeah it was the um the ozone layer is actually making a massive recovery so they're saying in the next couple decades, it's going to go back to uh, like where it was in the 1980s before mm-hmm. like it was massively deteriorated. Yeah, well, that's because of that's primarily because of the Montreal Protocol where mm-hmm. yeah. we um, basically outlawed internationally like aerosol cans and like certain things like that uh, that were destroying the ozone layer. So, like, yeah, the, it is doing better. But the reason it, it's doing better now is because we took really strict international action, which we have not done with any other issue. Mm-hmm. Right. So keeping on the environment, it's time now for news. We found out last week that 2015 
was the warmest year on record since modern recording began in 1880. This, of course, was from NASA and NOAA. The newly released data showed that 2015 continued a long-term warning trend, as well as broke multiple records. Wednesday's announcement wasn't a surprise to scientists, who said 10 out of 12 months in 2015 were the warmest respective months on record. And last year, you may remember, was also the first time average temperatures were one degree Celsius or more above the 1880 to 1899 averages. So just further proof that the Earth is getting warmer and we should probably do something about that. Right. Well, and also, I mean, before this, 2014 was the hottest year on record. Mm -hmm. And they're predicting that 2016 will be the next one. Isn't it kind of terrifying that 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 we could have two years in a row in a row where records are beaten? Well, I think we've from the previous year, if I recall correctly, it's been nine out of the last 10 years. Well, I think I'm starting to think we have a problem. I'm seeing I'm seeing a trend. And Elisa, Elisa, a a few weeks ago, didn't you tell us about that global gathering and everybody agreed if it if it goes up two more degrees or something like that? Yeah, I don't know. I think they were just talking or something. (laughs) Yeah, if it yeah, it was the uh, the the climate deal in Paris. Oh, Paris. That's right. How quickly we forget. When absolutely <laughs> nothing happens. Yeah, but guys, guys, there's like 10 feet of snow on the East Coast right now. It's fine, right? Global warming is solved. There's enough water here to fix California's drought, I think. Somebody uh. take some snowballs into the Senate, please. <laughs> By the way, that's another problem with New York right now. So, so the sidewalks are pretty much clear, but to get across the street, every sidewalk is is blocked by snow or a giant ass puddle. You can't even walk anywhere. Oh. God. By the way, on on this on this topic, I don't want to. I feel like we sort of bash Republicans implicitly sometimes. Uh, it's their own fault because of who they nominate. But it's, <laughs> I mean, seriously, you put Cruz and Trump up there, you kind of are asking for it. But I'm not talking. But you know, I don't want to like rank and file everyday listeners. I don't want to shit on them. But you know, I I do want to point out that when it comes to climate change, the United States Republican Party is the only political party, formal political party at least, um, on Earth that has it written into their platform that climate change is questionable and not necessarily caused by humans. The only party on planet Earth that has that written. Coincidentally, the only party on planet Earth that wants angels in our school's textbooks. (laughs) Yeah. Coincidence? (laughs) I think not. Well, speaking of the apocalypse uh, and more environmental <laughs> news. So, yeah, to answer your, your other question, Rachel, we're all going to burn. Um, Literally. A new, study, a new study from University of British Columbia that was more than 10 years in the making has just revealed that overfishing is killing global populations uh, of fish and marine life three times faster than previously thought. So no more California rolls for you guys. Um, I don't like sushi anyway. This is a big fucking problem, not because, you know, we all need to go out and start hugging like the spotted bass, but because 2.5 billion people on the planet rely on fish as their primary source of protein. So like they will literally starve. Um, most coastal cities, actually, including, by the way, San Francisco, Baltimore, and Boston, rely on marine life for their seafood and service industries. Baltimore, for example, supports more than 38,000 jobs just from fishing alone. So if we see these, these, this, this, these fish and marine life in general deplete, at these rates, uh, you know, it's not just even about starvation. It's also like people are going to be going on welfare and everyone's going to be impoverished. So, yeah, not to mention what that does to the ocean's ecosystems. We all going to die. We going to die. <laughs> we going to die. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. <laughs> so what other Earth is Doom news do we have today? Well, I guess for those of you who think that you have friends... Think again, because I got some news for you. 
Robin Dunbar, who is a professor of evolutionary psychology at the Oxford University. That's not a good school. I don't believe this already. No. No, there's there's an X in it. <laughs> the sign of the devil. Well, this... So, uh, so Dunbar undertook a study to find out the connection between whether people have lots of friends on Facebook and friends in real life. And he found that there was actually very little correlation between having friends on social networks and actually being able to depend on them or even talking to them regularly. So the average person that was, that did the study was, had around 150 Facebook friends, but only about 14 of them would actually express sympathy in the event of anything going wrong. So the average person said that only 25% of their Facebook friends were actually genuine friends. So. The question I have for you guys is, how many friends do you actually think you have? I always like studies like these because they they kind of demonstrate how bullshit social media can be. I was just looking on my Facebook profile. I have 504 Facebook friends. I I hang out with maybe five people. (laughs) So I don't know why I have another 500 friends on my Facebook list. I because have 531. So... Oh, but shit. I you have more have... friends than me? Fuck. You went through a purge, though, didn't you? I did, actually, because I used to add people that I didn't know, and I stopped doing that. Now, I only add people on Facebook who I know in real life, because, oh. like, I don't I don't see the point in adding somebody who I've literally never interacted with face-to-face. Oh. I'm re- I just looked at mine. I have 2,500 friends. <laughs> Wow, you're popular. <laughs> no, I'm not. That's actually something I was going to say. Like, the one thing I do like about this article, though, is it lists the comparisons of, of empathy, em- empathy reactions from your friends in real life versus the friends online. But, um, it's like, I like how they, they measured this by, like, people actually caring if you had a tragedy or you were sick or congratulated you. Like, that's, that's what, re- like, really helped, uh, measure the, who your friends were but yeah that, um, make, that also, makes sense it also those um talked in the article about how people um how, how we kind of trick ourselves into thinking that we have more friends than we actually do and i don't necessarily agree to that i think it's um because we know how close people are to us like we're not stupid but like i think we like to trick ourselves into thinking that we're more popular than we actually are mm-hmm. oh, for so, sure. and that's why you have 2500 friends Right, and but we also measure it too. It's almost it's it's almost like just seeing your your points on a scoreboard. Matt, didn't you friends? tell me you you go you don't go out on the weekends? No. Yeah. No. See that that doesn't sound like somebody who has twenty five hundred no, friends. It sounds like somebody who works on the weekends. <laughs> you said you don't go out ever or something like that. <laughs> I mean, I probably would would say that. Hey, no judgment here. I'm just saying you're being a poser with twenty five hundred friends. Yeah, I know. Why, instant so, gratification. My question, though, is if this is true, so if the average user only has like four, four real friends, why why is social media still so huge? Like knowing what we know, and even without a study to prove it, I think we can all attest in our daily lives that I'm sure as fuck not talking to like yeah all these hundreds of people regularly, mm-hmm. if at all. Well, I think Facebook is a shadow of its former self. What, what it originally was, was uh, like to connect people within like your school and your community. And now it's become just a page of people that you don't know because you have so many friends and you're seeing the posts of all these random people, including sponsored posts. And it just becomes basically a news feed of just random shit from Buzz. So why, no, I, why, if, if yeah. that's the case, why do we still like it so much? I mean, we're accustomed to it. No, or, no. Because we like to look into other people's lives. I, I, I like to see what people I'm fr- real friends with or moderately friends with are up to. I, yeah. I enjoy seeing what people are up to. But even though if I don't want to hang out with them, <laughs> but yeah, but does it, but do you need 200 people to do that? Are you, do you look through 200 people? Well, if I know these people in real life, then yeah, I mean, Facebook decides who I'm seeing in the feed, which well, is, and we have to remember too, that Facebook was around before LinkedIn. So for a lot of people, Facebook serves as a primary professional contact. Yeah. And, you know, I, I mean, like I have a LinkedIn, but I barely ever update it because, like everybody I know is on Facebook, so why would I? Mm-hmm. 
You, you, you know? Yeah, you can you start basically any profile sign up by connecting to Facebook. Yeah, it's it's very ingrained in our, in our lives, and it, it's going to be around forever. We depend on this now for communication, Facebook Messenger. I mean, that's a huge app for people now um, to communicate. Yeah, we use it all the time. Yeah. Just the four of us. Yeah. Okay, well, I honestly could talk about Facebook all day, but um, we'll move on now to Hidden from the Headlines... Yes. So our first hidden from the headline story takes us to California, where a bill has been proposed to force manufacturers of smartphones to sell devices with, quote, encryption backdoors starting on January 1st, 2017. Now, even if you're not a super techie person, this story has the potential to affect you. And here's why. When a device is encrypted, that means that there are safeguards built in to protect your data from being accessed by unauthorized parties. If you've heard stories about people unsuccessfully trying to get into devices locked with a passcode, this is what we're talking about. Generally speaking, if I die tomorrow and do not leave my passcode to Elisa, she can't get into my phone without first erasing it. This has proven to be problematic for a lot of people in this situation who wish to recover photos and other data loved ones have left behind on their mobile devices. That's not to say there aren't other unauthorized ways around this, but strictly speaking, if you can't remember the passcode to your device and you take it to a Best Buy or wherever, the response is most likely going to be that the only way to access anything within the device past the lock screen is to first erase the phone. The manufacturer of the phone will also give you the same answer because they, as the designers of the device, haven't left themselves a backdoor into your phone because there's no point in trying to invent a semi-encrypted device. There is no such thing. Your phone is either encrypted or it's not. Now, here's where California comes into this. The bill, proposed less than a week ago on January 20th, would require, quote, a smartphone that is manufactured on or after January 1st, 2017 and sold in California to be capable of being decrypted and unlocked by its manufacturer or its operating system provider, and that sellers that fail to comply with that requirement will be subject to, quote, a civil penalty of $2,500 for each smartphone sold or leased. Now, there are two reasons why Apple has gotten some attention alongside this story. One, if this bill becomes law and companies like Apple refuse to manufacture their devices with encryption backdoors, it could prevent them from selling their devices in California, their headquarters, without facing huge fines. The other reason this has attracted some attention is because Apple CEO Tim Cook met with White House officials a couple of weeks ago to discuss the use of technology and social media in fighting terrorism. He has once again taken a stance against encryption backdoors, presumably because he thinks it's it's unethical for his company to sell a device and in turn access the data unbeknownst to its user and then pass it along to law enforcement agencies. Sound a little paranoid? Then bear this in mind as we dive into discussing this story. FBI Director James Comey believes that prominent tech companies should have to build a way for law enforcement to access information from mobile devices. Creepy, right? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Here's the thing. If you're creating a backdoor for these manufacturers and the government to look into, government looking into your stuff aside, there are going to be holes for hackers to get into as well. Right. You're not just vulnerable to law enforcement agencies. That's a really great point. Mm -hmm. Now, I wanted to ask you guys... Um, all of this is happening because New York state has also proposed a very similar bill, um, because of the ISIL attacks on Paris and San Bernardino. Do you guys think anti-encryption laws might be a necessary evil or will they just give us the illusion of security? I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. It makes, it makes me uncomfortable. And I know that that's going to come off very sort of, you know, X-Files paranoia kind of thing, but but I, I don't know. This doesn't just, I, I don't see a good enough reason to make this switch. If, if, if someone could provide me like a really solid, okay, like if we don't do this, everyone's going to die or something. If there was like a mm-hmm. solid reason why this needed to happen, then, you know, sometimes it, you could argue it's a lesser evil, but I'm not really personally seeing the impetus here. Maybe I'm just missing something, but I feel like without that solid reason, it just makes me uncomfortable and seems like a really fantastic loophole to use in the future. I agree. Yeah, It definitely makes me really uncomfortable. The other thing to consider, too, 
is even though like even if you don't live in California or New York, something you should remember is that those markets have a major effect on the products the rest of us receive. So if a company like Apple is forced to sell decrypted phones in California and New York, don't think for a second that they're going to make encrypted phones to sell everywhere else. You don't want to become reactionary and think that, you know, if, if, if something terrible like San Bernardino happens, that the way to solve it, you're going to solve all crime if you just can hack into people's phones. Right. Easier. Like, just like taking off our shoes because of that guy who had a bomb in his shoes. Now we right. all have to take our, our shoes off every fucking time, even if we even if the TSA or the government has found a way to make sure that doesn't happen, we still take off our fucking shoes. Right. This mentality is what led us to the Patriot Act. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I was just going to say that. And so and then the, and then the and, and with taking off our shoes, that example, you know, that's less important to me because all I'm doing is taking off my shoes. And so what are you going to do? You're going to see my socks? Look, they're purple today. You're welcome. <laughs> this like this is this has much broader, much more serious implications and so I'm far less okay with that. I agree with Laura. This just smacks of uh, this just smacks of like Patriot Act type with, of shit. Yeah. With with all this said though, just a general PSA, like if you're on the internet, if you're using a technical device, y- your information is not really safe. So by using a phone, by using Facebook, by using Gmail, you just have to accept that there is a chance that one day your information is going to get hacked. Right. And and by the and way, I mean, if would would something like this really have prevented San Bernardino or Probably any other? Not. Yeah, no, we would just know more about what happened, but that but the the instance still would have happened. So Andrew kind of um, led perfectly into my next question for you guys, which is. Would knowing that the manufacturer of your phone or mobile device could access your information and pass it along to law enforcement impact the way you use your device? (laughs) Um, No. No. No, and I'll tell you why. Because fuck you. Fuck all of them. (laughs) This is exactly how I felt, though, when we were finding out that the NSA can and does see what you're what you're typing not that they do not have the capacity to monitor every fucking person but they can and do at random sometimes just log the fuck on and see oh look look at those text messages look at look at this facebook chat and yada yada like you, you should like andrew said you should operate under the assumption that you're being watched at some point and that didn't change the way i i I remember when, when that news story broke and everyone was like, oh God, and everyone sort of changed how they were talking and someone made like a joke about, uh, I don't know, Pakistan or something. And I remember one of my friends was like, oh, don't say that. You're going to get arrested, <laughs> dude. And it's like, no, no, I, you can't, you can't, you can't change the way that, no, they, no, they don't, cause even if you say something really untoward or offensive or whatever in your private life, they can't arrest you for that. So who cares? Yeah, Andrew should know. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, I would probably dial back some of the text messages that I send. Because sometimes I joke about things that if if the government was watching, I I don't, maybe I would get a knock on my door one day. No, I don't believe you. I don't believe that you scale back at all because we are all of us on the no-fly list because of you. <laughs> that you say in the Facebook chat is so unimaginably not PC. It's should I tell the story about <laughs> one of our? <laughs> okay, so one time in the airport, it was uh, me, Matt, our friend Kevin, and a couple other people. We were leaving Orlando. I guess Laura and Alicia, you were there too. Yeah, I think we told the story. And we're and we're in the TSA line. I don't think I've told it on the show. We're in the TSA line, and my friend. Kevin, who tends to, you know, pu- pu- push push the envelope, he turns to me as we're standing in the TSA line and starts whispering repeatedly to me, I have a bomb. <laughs> just over and over. I'm like laughing my ass off because like, 
just imagine if somebody in the in the TSA or actually heard him say that. He wasn't even. Be- I don't think he was whispering that Lily. No, either. he wasn't. He was. You and you, Andrew, you and Matt were up at the front of the line. He was in the <laughs> middle, and then Laura and I were sort of in the back. And I'm like just taking off my shoes and stuff, and he turns around and looks at me, and he kind of like jiggles his carry on in front of my. <laughs> And he laughs. He's like, <laughs> I'm like, what? Whenever when I go whenever I go through Disneyland security now, I turn to whoever I'm with and I go, Thank God they didn't see that bomb in my bag. Oh my god. So you sort of answered my final question, so I'll pose oh. it to the boys. Um, we've talked about the power possessed by the NSA before, and I wanted to follow up on it by asking if any of us feel like our opinions on the NSA's power have been impacted by the knowledge that two major states are trying to grant backdoor access to our embarrassing naked selfies, or God forbid, as we already talked about, the millennial host Facebook chat. People, I don't remember who exactly, were a little bit ambivalent about it. Um, there was some attitude that was like, I don't have anything to hide. Yeah. I don't care. I, I, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's kind of falls along the same line that I don't, I, I, I am not going to stop being myself just because the government is now watching me. Um, oh shit. Oh shit. Is that the government? <laughs> it's them. They're calling. It's them. No, it's my dad's phone. Sorry. Yeah, I like. I'm not going to like. I'm not going to stop um, and be more cautious about what what if what if I'm doing is being watched and is being recorded. I'm just going to just accept what I do was is just me, and I can't help that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I go I go back and forth on this issue because I joke around about I, I I really meant what I said earlier. I think I will maybe I'll just grow up and stop joking about things on text that would that would set off trigger but alarms. Yeah, but oh. I mean, that's no. say, just because you say something doesn't necessarily mean that you're guilty of doing something. No, I, I understand that, but I don't need the, I don't need the government knocking on my door asking You're about things. Not going to. That's the like, thing is that we. This is why we need to stop accepting this shit because. If, if we are afraid, the minute we become afraid to say something, particularly in private, but frankly, anytime, the minute we become afraid to say something because we're worried about the government knocking on our door is the minute that Orwellian dystopia becomes real. Like that's, we, that's why I don't abide by the, oh, I have nothing to hide. So, you know, fuck it. Like, okay, whatever. I don't have like a venereal disease either. I'm not afraid of the way my vagina looks, but I'm not going to sit on the highway and spread it open and like, oh, everyone come look at it. <laughs> I'm not hiding anything in here. Come take a peek. Come take a peek in my asshole. No I would take a peek. That's not, I, you have. It felt nice. But that's not the way that life works, and it's not the way that our relationship with the government should work. And it concerns me that it just it just concerns me when people become afraid of of their government this it way. Should it be should the be other the way opposite, or it should be the opposite. That's- but but then where do you draw the line? I mean, do you yell, "I have a bomb" at, in the airport, or "I I have a gun" at Disneyland? I mean, that's free speech, right? No, I mean, well, I think at the point where what you do can actually cause harm, like yelling fire in a crowded room, I don't think that you actually have the right to do that. Oh, I see. Pretty, pretty sure. Okay. There's limits to every, to everything, but we're not talking about actionable, you know, damage to people's lives. Well, but what if my text messages about bombs are indicative of something I may be wanting to do? Later down the road, what if it's handing foreshadowing things? They can't. Well, they. This is not Minority Report, though. They can't. They can't. They can't arrest you for something that you haven't done yet. Exactly. Well, and my question is, if you send a whole bunch of text messages about bombs, um, would that be the only thing in your life that would be indicative of your potential to set off a bomb? I feel like if that's something that you are bound and determined to do, there are going to be other indicators. That don't require the U.S. government to violate everybody's civil liberties just to read right. more text messages. Okay, fair it's enough. Not, 
I agree. If we're gonna if we're gonna go down this path and start infringing on privacy, okay. But then this needs to be put up for a vote. This needs to be something that is well publicized and debated. That's not how it's gone. Um, anyway, sorry, I get real pissed about this issue. <laughs> no problem. I mean that that's why it's on here. It's hidden from the headlines, man. Speaking mm-hmm. of which, Elisa, you have a story for us too. This should piss everyone off as well. We're just okay. gonna be real angry tonight, guys. Uh- so, new report released uh, by The Guardian, uh, of course, a very reputable newspaper um, in the UK, uh, says that every major U.S. city east of the Mississippi is underreporting the heavy metals in its water. Yes. So we're definitely all going to die. But my, I wanted to talk about this in the context of what's been happening in Flint, Michigan. Um, I assume you all have heard about that, of course, right? Mm-hmm. Lightly. If you listened to the show last week, actually, we, we talked oh, I, about I, it. I made a point not to. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, so Flint, of course, is really uh, the poster child for why, you know, the environment matters a little bit. And the new report by The Guardian is saying that we should all be caring about this for the exact same reason, um, because they have spoken with a number of people at the Environmental Protection Agency, some on the record, some off the record, uh, and they've gathered documents. This is not just hearsay. This isn't just from anonymous sources. Um, they actually were given uh, encrypted documents <laughs> from the EPA uh, that show that major cities, including De- uh, Detroit, Philadelphia, and the entire state of Rhode Island, um, are all using really fucked up water measurement practices to skew how much heavy metal is showing up on the tests. So there's way more in the water than they have to report, than what they're telling you. Um, the source, the anonymous source that they did quote in the paper said... The controversial approach to water testing used in Flint, Michigan, is so widespread that it occurs in every major U.S. city east of the Mississippi. This has become the thing to do in the water industry. The logical conclusion, of course, is that millions of people's drinking water is potentially unsafe. Um, apart from just wanting to raise awareness of this, my, I mean, my, my primary question to you guys is why is this not bigger news. Number one, Flint, Michigan <clears throat> only became really widespread uh, known <clears throat> probably within the last, what, few weeks? Yeah. It's been happening for months, uh, years actually. So, and this really does kind of fit with network news and their doom and gloom, you know, oh, look, you know, it, it has everything. It's, it's government corruption. It's people being poisoned. It, you would think that this would be like something worthy of Wolf Blitzer's time, but why mm-hmm. is it? Why is it not? Not just Flint, but this story in general. Why? Why is water poisoning not worthy of the news? Well, well I think people are, and Andrew's established this. We've got a lot of really dumb people in this country, and. I think that what makes Flint so easy to pay attention to is that their water is literally bright fucking orange. And I think until people start actually seeing some effects or feeling some effects on their health, they're not going to care that much. But I have one question for you, Elisa. So this is what it comes down to at this point. You and I both live out east. Do I drink water from bottles to save myself? Oh, that's a tough one. Do I sacrifice myself for the good of the environment? Yeah, I don't know the answer to that question. (laughs) I will say um, we all should just invest in in water (laughs) purifiers, (laughs) which which of course don't even get rid of it nearly as much as as you needed to. So I don't know. I'm still not going to drink bottled water until I know that there's an issue but i do think Mm -hmm. that um this is also i in my opinion further further proof that what happens on the state level matters tremendously and that doesn't get any attention either i mean we're all very sort of engrossed in in sarah palin's t-shirt and donald trump's derpy fucking smile but meanwhile 
we're all we're all getting uh, heavy metal poisoning. So yeah, well, yeah. and also like there's even there's even more stories that are coming out from Flint. I mean, just recently they it's been reported that uh, undocumented immigrants and undocumented residents of of Flint aren't getting handed uh, water bottles. They're being turned away from it. So unless these people are U.S. citizens or you are residents of the city. They, they will not get water. Right. I, I think the issue, the reason it's not reported is like Laura said, it's not visual. It's not a dancing Sarah Palin standing in front of Trump on stage. And you're not seeing people suffering. Um, you, you can't really visualize Flint. Yeah, maybe like the water. You can see the discoloration in the water. That's been clear. But do we have footage of, Every major U.S. city east of the Mississippi um, with people, you know, getting sick because of these heavy metals in the water. We don't. So we see it as like we see it as a foreign story, though. It does not affect us like there's there's many of us who it doesn't affect in any way, really. So we tend to have a smaller attention span and care less because it seems we're basically just watching a news story with the power to turn up, turn it off and not have to think about it if we don't want to. It's all, it's also like the, uh, the gas leak happening in California right now. It's not visual. I finally saw a visually a visualization of it on real time with Bill Maher the other day. It was some sort of yeah. like infrared look at the leak happening and it looks awful. But if you have just a normal iPhone camera or any type of camera for that matter, you can't see it normally. So it, it's not scary. It's not a threat and thus it's not on the news. <laughs> and plus, I mean, Stepping back even further, this is going to sound dumb, but there's, there's, um, there's, there's only so much news that can be covered, even during a 24 hour news cycle. And when you know people want politics, when they want to hear Donald Trump and Palin, then that's going to take priority over right. potentially this water being dangerous. It's so I- funny how, how like the, how this election is not until November and all we really have as entertainment is watching uh, all these pr- future potential presidents and that is glossing over everything that's going on in the country. Well, that's what I was going to say is that the reason that politics is supposed to be important, the reason why we are all engrossed with the presidential election and who's doing what is in theory supposed to be because of these issues because we are interested in solving them and we're interested in serious policymakers who are going to take them on. But I feel like it's, I feel like the issues have become almost wholly detached from the process. And now it's become reality television. It's like the fucking swan instead of, you know, what's actually happening and who's going to solve what and mm-hmm. how. And um, only if, and they will only be brought up during these uh, preliminaries if, the news story has something to do with one of their policies that that they're trying to get to or trying well, to get I'll, forward. I'll, I'll end I'll end the story on this note. Again, this is a state issue. Your state uh, water companies and uh, your state uh, environmental protection agencies are the ones who are in charge of your water quality and how that gets tested and everything like that. They do they they do have to tell you. So if you call and you ask, they have to, they have to give you a report and explain to you and they can send you something in the mail. Um, and you know, again, they're kind of fucking lying right now, <laughs> but I still think it would be worthwhile if you're interested to, to call and ask because I don't think that's going to get any kind of coverage until, uh, the media sees that people care. You know, they need to see that it's going to sell papers and put, put eyes on the television screen before they start reporting it. Listener challenge. Take a vine of yourself drinking like a glass of tap water and then collapse on the floor and start convulsing. And yeah. let's just get hundreds of those put up on the internet. It'll be, it'll be one of those Facebook phenomenon videos and then the news is certain to report on it. Laura, I've heard that the tap water in New York City is some of the cleanest tap water in the country. Is that true? It's, it, it's supposed to be. And actually, it's some of the best tasting water I've ever had. So I, I, I have to <laughs> I have to agree with you. I, I got a little kitchen in this hotel room. I've been drinking out of the tap water and I'm enjoying it very much. As you get poisoned. <laughs> Wait. Oh, my gosh. I'm convulsing. What's happening? <laughs> Elisa, 
It's time to put you on the spot. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you are our first victim. Oh my god, you said my name and I'm like clutching at the dock and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> Elisa, don't you know you're supposed to intro this next segment? Elisa. Okay. What? You've just learned you're pregnant. You don't and can't know whose baby it is. Do you abort? Um. <laughs> Why can't she know whose baby it is? Wait, there is no way to answer this. Because she's on the spot. There's no way to answer without some context. Is this happening today? Like, I'm pregnant right now. You're pregnant right now, and you have two weeks to, to decide to, to, um. to abort or not. And but you, you have to decide right now, even though you have two weeks. Well, yeah, I mean, this episode is in two weeks, so. <laughs> <laughs> but there's no way. Okay, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say no. The reason being, because if I don't know whose it is, what if it's like the next Jesus? So <laughs> if I have no clue whose it is, then I don't want to like, I don't want to like preempt the next coming of the Messiah. So I'll take one for the team. <laughs> If you if you said yes, I was going to ask uh, during childbirth if the baby won't fit, will you let it tear or will you cut? As in get in, get an incision. Uh, let me be very clear about something. If I'm ever put in that position in my life, the answer will be cut, and it will be cut my throat. <laughs> I will end it all right there. My friend Richard helped develop these questions, so. Thank you, Richard. He's so he's laughing action. watching me read these. <laughs> I will cut my own jugular <laughs> to put in that position. She'll cut her own jugular to prevent the next Jesus Christ from coming out of her wound. I'm just reading back what you said to Richard. <laughs> All right, it's, I think that's what you said. Sure, yeah, that's it's about right. It's roughly. <laughs> Well, that was a fun game. <laughs> <laughs> did you like it, Elisa? Was that a fun game? That was great. I actually did like it. Okay, good. Uh, I started coming up with other questions, but then I had that one, and I was like, I, I, want, I need the answer to this question. I can't ask other ones. So, <laughs> All right. It's time now for Surprise Bitch. We are going to call Summer. She's a Patreon supporter of ours. Laura, would you like to speak with her? How do we do this? Do you surprise after I say your name? Or does he do surprise bitch? Hello? Summer? Yes? Surprise, bitch! Oh, God. Oh, you got <laughs> her. You got her. <laughs> surprise, bitch. Hey, what happened where's, to my... Where's, the, where's the audio, Andrew? Oh, oh, that's what you were asking. I wasn't sure what you were asking me. I was like, what are you talking about? You are fired. So summer, Was we I I, have audio? we do have audio. We are normally a very professional podcast, but Andrew, I think, is like high oh, or man. something right now. No, you ready? Here we go. I I got it. Here it comes. Yeah, give her the experience. All right. Surprise! 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 Bitch! There you go. There wow. you go. How you doing, Summer? That is high dollar. I'm so mm. good. How are you? How are y'all doing? Good. Good. We're are you in the, the south? Episode. Oh, okay. Cool. Are you in the South? I heard a y'all on a Southern accent. Oh, yeah. It's it's a habit that comes out. Um, yeah, I've lived in the South and for a while. I think since I was about five or six. And sometimes it usually comes out when I drink, though. That's usually when the y'all starts. Same. I used to really hate the phrase y'all, and I've started to get into it. A lot of gays do it, and so I've just kind of naturally picked it up. Yeah. Yeah. Like last night I messaged our millennial group. I said, seeing Book of Mormon, y'all. <laughs> oh, I saw Book of Mormon last night. Oh, yeah. I did too. Are you in New York right now? No, I saw it in Atlanta. I saw the tour. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah, it was quite good. I was offended. Was good. <laughs> I, I stormed <laughs> out. <laughs> no. I think it capitalizes on offending everybody, so I think that's the beauty of it. Yeah, totally. For sure. Well, Summer... Since Valentine's Day is coming up, I was wondering if you oh. had any cringeworthy Valentine's Day stories you could share with us. Cringeworthy Valentine's Day. I'm sure that I have. Oh, yes. Actually, I do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, y'all, listen. Y'all. This cannot be this podcast. <laughs> so, 
Um, when I was in college, so like 20, 21 years old, something like that, I can't remember. I had just started dating this girl and I, uh, had like zero dollars to my name. It was like a week before I got on and I was like, I'm going to take this girl out. Uh, cause you know, I was like a few years older and I was like, I need to be the one to do this. So I'm going to, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be the man and I'm going <laughs> to take her out or whatever it is. That Get it. was my thinking at the time. Exactly. And so I was like, I'm going to take her out. So I was like, okay, well, I want to be able to take her, like, you know, a step above, like, Ruby Tuesdays, at least, um, you know, to be classy. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to, like, save all my money. I'm just going to save this, like, entire $60 for, like, the whole week and not, um, and just not spend it and, like, just spend it all, like, on the date. That's what I'll do. And so I remember, like, telling my friend about it, and then her boyfriend chimed in, because I was like, yeah, I'm not sure how I'm going like, to save all this money. I've got, like, a week. And he was like, well, I heard that if you, like, go to Captain B before they close at, like, 8.50, then they'll give you a box of Cracklin for free. Now, do you guys know what Cracklin is? I do. (laughs) What the hell is it? It's like, it's this box of, like, battered, it's like the fried fat that comes off of, like, the fried fish that they make. It's disgusting. It's oh, not even like a sustenance. Sounds so romantic. <laughs> it, oh, it really is. I know. <laughs> so they're like, okay, they'll give you a box of crackling for free. And so I was like, ooh. <sighs> and so in my mind, I'm like, okay, I can like eat like ramen and crackling for like a week straight. That's great. And I can just save all my money. This will be perfect. And so I would sit there and eat it in the parking lot of the Captain B. I think the worst part of the story is, is like, on that, like, Friday of Valentine's Day, um, I was like, oh, my gosh. I was not really feeling, you know, like I said, I'd been eating, like, crackling and, like, fucking, like, ramen for a week straight. And I, uh, we went, ended up going to this, like, upscale, like, Chinese restaurant or something. I don't know. I thought it was fancy at the time, whatever the hell it was. And I was, like, I ordered, like, a salad. I just wanted something green or something just, like, that was not brown and crackling. So I was just, like, salad, please. Oh, my God, please. And then all of a sudden, like, my stomach was, like, what? No. This isn't crackling. I'm going to rebel against you right now. And so I'm sitting there. And all of a sudden, I, like, start, I start like, sweating. And I'm, like, oh, my God. No. No, 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 no. And all of a sudden, I just hear my stomach being, like, oh, oh, no. I start, like, sweating. I'm, like, patting myself with a napkin and being, and she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. I am good. I have never been, I, you look so pretty, right? This is great. I, yeah, I'm so excited to be on this date with you. And meanwhile, like, in my head, I'm like, I'm going to shit my pants or I'm going to barf into my salad bowl. Like, I wasn't really sure what was going on. <laughs> and so... So hot. Then, like, she's like, of course, like, <laughs> towards the end, I'm like, it was like the quickest date ever. I was just like, well, I'm done. I am full. I think it is time to go. And she's like, oh, okay. You, like, want to go back to my place? And I was like, no. <laughs> but moral of the story is, just if you can't afford to take your date out, just fucking, like, go Dutch or, right. like, don't eat Kraken. <laughs> Don't so, eat did you go home and shit your brains out after that meal? No, I think I just threw up. Okay. I felt like I, oh, was I wasn't wait, really sure don't... what was going to happen. It okay. was one of those where I was just like, I'm not sure what. But like, thankfully, it wasn't like I like tried to tough it out. I was like, no, it's summer. You're gonna be fine. You know, I, like, knew. cheap cheap date idea: Netflix and chill. Netflix, Netflix and, and crackling, and then chilling leads to scissoring <laughs> and crackling. <laughs> Just crack oh a lackland. Well, th- crack lackland. Yes, I haven't been able to like even like eat any kind of fried fish like in years because of that. <laughs> I have like oh PTSD. God, well, Summer, here's hoping that next Valentine's Day in a couple weeks here uh, goes better and avoid that oh, crackle. Oh, I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully, my wife does not want to go to Captain D's. Oh, okay. Yeah. When when he said, "Oh, we'll see," I said, "Someone in your life." Hmm? Yeah. Do you Netflix and chill with your wife? Right, yeah, pretty much. Okay. She, was not the, she was not the date at the time, though. Oh, okay. That's yeah, good. It ended up being a different, yeah. No. <laughs> Thankfully, that did not work out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, have a good night down there in the South. Oh, thanks. 
Obisa, did you have fun on your sabbatical? I did. Um, I had fun on the sabbatical. I did not have fun coming back to the oh, winter shit. wonderland that is Washington, D.C. Oh, but, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Well, but, I'm just going to move to Hawaii. Well, I'm glad you're back. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I almost said eat, pay, leave because when I used to work in a restaurant, I used to, call, I used to say that I was going to open a restaurant called Eat, Pay, Leave. <laughs> <laughs> I like that like, better. Eat, that was... pay the bill, and friggin' get out of here. Get out. That sounds like a great thing. All right. Too. All right. Have a good night, Summer. You will have a wonderful rest of your night. Me Thanks, too. Summer. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right. Thank you, Summer. So I think that's all we have for today's episode. Quick little plug here for Patreon. Maybe you want to be called and tell us your Valentine's Day horror stories. Uh, coming up next week is the first uh, week of the month. Which not only means it's time for Laura's period, but it also means that the $2 level people will, will have access to a free episode of After Dark. And okay, what the fuck? Andrew, Andrew, did I, did I send you an invite to my ovulation calendar? Because I might have. I did. I've been dealing with it in my Google calendar for six years. I don't know how to get rid of it. That's no. how I feel about my period, too. So so the first episode of After, After Dark and Hashing It Out are available to our $2 patrons uh, in addition to the $5 patrons. So check out everything we got going on over there on patreon.com slash millennial. To wrap up the show today, we are going to play what song? Let It Go. Let it go. This is for everyone on the East Coast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, I'm keep going. For myself, let's be honest. <laughs> for me too. For me too. All right. Um, well, everybody have a great week, and don't forget millennialshow.com. If you want to email us, millennialshow at gmail.com. If you want to send me like winter clothes, um, Andrew Sims, New York, New York, whatever the hell the zip code is here. Um, okay, that's they all. Should be able to find that pretty easily. I think so. Well, you'll find me at Madison Square Garden on Wednesday. I'll definitely be there. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. I'm Laura. And I'm Matt. We'll see everybody next week for episode... Season 2, episode 4. Goodbye. Everything seems small And the fears that once controlled me Can't get to me See what I can do to test the...